If you want to watch the game that we're playing this week, you can see the video version of the podcast at ericandkelby.com. Thanks for listening to the Personal History of Games. I'm your host, Eric Canius, and this week's guest is my good gaming friend, Gino Grieco. When he's not playing Final Fantasy, you can find him writing about it professionally all over the web. But for now, we talk lore, college experiences, and apple picking while playing Final Fantasy IX for the PlayStation 1. Here's that conversation. How often have you replayed this game? I've played it at least like seven, eight times. Whoa. How long does it take you to beat it? Uh, so I can speed run this game. So oh. I played a bunch of it just for speedrunning purposes to train and know what I was doing. Yeah. So it takes me roughly, I would say, 13, 14 hours to beat it. I assume um, that's fast. I'm not like <laughs> world record holder level fast. I'm no, like, that's, <laughs> that's got to be better than average, though. Yeah. So like there's a weapon in this game called Excalibur here. 2 that you can only get if you get to the second there's an Excalibur and also Excalibur two, uh-huh. and you can get to that um, if you get to like the last section of the game within about, t- I think the time limit's twelve hours. Oh, all right. So to get into it, what uh, made you pick Final Fantasy nine for this episode? So Final Fantasy nine is my favorite game ever by a pretty wide margin. Like my the first game I ever saw was Final Fantasy VII. I was over at a friend's house, and my friend told me, you know, come over here. Uh, I'm gonna let's go to my PlayStation. We're gonna play PlayStation. <laughs> and I was like, that's a really pretentious name for your toy room, but okay. <laughs> and they basically said, no, it's not the toy room. It's this this thing. They turned it on, and it was uh, middle of the game. I think like Midgar FF7, so like early yeah. FF7. I saw the the Hell House and I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so from there, I wanted a PlayStation. I wanted to get a video game console. My first, one of my first games I got was Final Fantasy VIII. Um, and that game is really perfect if you're just a young kid because the main character is basically a child for most of it. And I don't mean that in <laughs> that he is an actual child. He's supposed to be 18, but he just behaves like a very conceited child. Like, uh, you know, the world's, why should I care about anyone if they're just going to leave me eventually? Oh, I should, <laughs> people, you know, caring about other people, ugh, gross. <laughs> Who would want to do that? But um, it had pretty realistic graphics for like PS1 era. Like the people look like people. Right. They're all tall. See, I saw yeah. that game too. I played Final Fantasy VII and then saw my friend play Final Fantasy VIII. And I was like, why are they so stretched out? Because I'm used to characters like this where they're all like squat and donkey. Yeah. So because my first exposure really was t- t- to eight, like I saw some of seven, um, but eight just looked so impressive. When I got nine, uh, like a year or two later, my grandma got it for me for Christmas, I believe. I thought this game was for babies because these characters look like <laughs> cartoons. And so I, I didn't. I didn't fully appreciate it. And also like eight has this kind of wide open combat system. That's really different. And nine felt a little bit more on rails. Cause it's kind of a throwback to 
um, the older like uh, NES and Super NES Final Fantasies. Uh-huh. Like all the characters are job archetypes with right. little twists. So I bounced off of it. I didn't actually complete this game until I was in high school. And when I came back to it, like I went in skeptical. I was like, eh, well, I never really gave nine a chance. Let me see how nine holds up. Um, and it turns out this game is uh, very much about exploring the just inexorable dread of mortality in a lot of ways. There's a lot of uh, very kind of dire conflicts between nations and the game's Unlike some of the other games in the series, it, it's not very bleak in its description, depiction of all these things. Like characters deal with very difficult, very harsh situations um, with a smile and with a positive attitude, which mm-hmm. I just did not, I was not used to in a specific way. And um, one of the main characters, uh, Vivi, the one you're, the little yes. black mage, his story is just really striking. Uh, like the scene we're looking at right here is um, one of your characters coming back to her hometown that's been sacked by an army and it's just dead people on the ground everywhere. <laughs> like it, it, it's heavy very quickly. It goes from yeah. cartoonish um, like the main villain is, is very Shakespearean to just like magical depictions of WMDs and stuff <laughs> like within, I think, Within two, three hours of the game starting, you find out that Vivi's not a regular person. He's he's like an artificial being created to make war who just happened to snap out of it and gain sentience. Oh. So his whole storyline just really grabbed me. So he's basically – he starts out as just kind of a, a kid who's wandering around. And you find out he's artificially made. And then uh, within a few hours after that, you find out that – his entire like race of people who you just killed two of them, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> His entire race, the black mages are all, they were tools. They were made as tools of war. Um, they were created to kill people. And so they were not created to live meaningful lives or long lives. So he's basically, I think six months old when the game starts and he's like most of his people die at a year. Oh, and he finds out that pretty early on. Um, you go to a graveyard in an entire village of black mages like him. And they're like, yeah, it turns out we just stop moving sometimes and we don't know why. And then everyone else around them is like, stop moving. Do you mean you die? And they're like, we don't really know what death even is because no one really teaches us anything. But yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what we're dealing with. Uh-huh. And at the time when I was playing this game, um, my mom was very sick and um, she was dealing with some really, uh, really bad, uh, cancer at the time. And so seeing a character, a main character who basically has a, a death sentence on him who sees it coming, it just really struck me. Mm-hmm. Um, and his whole attitude of like how the game depicts it and how it handles that, uh, situation I think is pretty nuanced. Um, especially for the era, like games didn't deal with this sort of stuff all that often. No, not at all. So it was, it's pretty striking. Like there's just some scenes where like Vivi understands that he's going to die and all the people, all of his other people, all the other black mages do not because they haven't spent time with people who know things about the world. They've only been spending time with each other. And so he just has to tell them like, yeah, you're, 
you're not going to make it at some point. But yeah, like you get a lot of scenes like that where um, he just kind of learns about life uh, and the game just like it ends with his death of natural causes. Mm -hmm. And he's supposed to be like five, like emotionally, like a five or a six year old. So yeah, this this game really struck me from that. And just having the lighthearted spirit at the same time, like not really trampling, usually, especially even now, like games tend to be grim or they're going to be fun and lighthearted. They can't, yeah. they don't usually deal with serious topics and have a nice lighthearted vibe about them. Definitely. Yeah, there's uh, something about video games where they are not able to <laughs> deal with like the realities of living in a, not a glib way, just a way that is not just dour and being mm -hmm. down about it of like, death is sad, so we have to be sad. Yeah. And not like, this is how we live through it, like a good place or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's what I found really striking is that like this game manages to have the hard conversations without crowding out the fun moments. Mm -hmm. you know? Like one of your characters, look at Quinna is a giant goofball with some sort of chef's hat, a giant floppy <laughs> tongue, and her power is to eat people. <laughs> fun. I'm glad they fit Vor into it. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get blue magic. You eat stuff and then you get stronger. Um, but yeah, I, a lot of the main characters really have great, great storylines. Like, you know, Freya, the dragoon you got there, she's like, you meet her, come to her place, you find like her entire civilization devastated. The person who she loved uh, has amnesia and can't remember that she existed. And so she's just like, well, I've got to live my life knowing that this person who I care about deeply doesn't know who I am. Jeez. Yeah. But she's, she doesn't have a bad attitude about it, all things considered. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's nice to have those, something in the media, especially just to not, a, not necessarily guide you, but just be an example of something different, a different way of dealing with these heavy topics. Yeah, definitely. And I think that there's not, especially at that time, there just wasn't a lot of media that addressed these topics that much at all that weren't targeted at adults. Yeah. And so just having a game like this that approached those topics in an approachable way, in a kid-friendly way, but didn't shy away from some of these more savage things about life, um, it really resonated with me. And another mm -hmm. cool thing about this game is that it actually has multiplayer, kind of. Right. Um, so in the menu, you could actually set it to two-player mode, and you can have a second player just you know pick one of the characters and use them. And that... On a long RPG, like they barely ever do it. And it, it's not like the most extravagant multiplayer, but it exists. Yeah, that's weird. Because <laughs> Robin was uh, doing fun facts for the game for our social media and found that there is a multiplayer thing that seemed really interesting that wasn't like advertised at all. Oh, yeah, it's just in there. Like I found it in the menus by accident. Yeah. But it meant that I could sometimes play with my sister or, you know, if I had a friend over, I could pass them a controller. And for a 40-hour game, like, these games tend to be very lonely. Yes. You know, you're playing, <laughs> unless you have someone else who's down to sit down and watch you play. Um, so just having that option, I thought was very cool. That's a fun way to add into it to, uh, yes, exactly, give you someone to play with. Or if you give the opportunity to play with someone so it's not this lonely adventure because it is a party you have a party in real life as you mm -hmm. adventure together 
Uh, around what age was this all playing this game? Seven in your in high school. So I think I first played it probably when I was around ten, and then I revisited probably around fourteen. Okay, jeez. I feel like I was playing because I did play this game when it came out and I don't remember anything about it and I don't remember getting any of those themes. <laughs> so, yeah. So some of those themes, depending on how far in you got, they really present themselves in like the second disc more. But like there's a lot of really cool winks and nods to the world building here. So like you can actually there's a town very early on where you find out that Vivi's artificially made. It's a town. It's a farming town that has a secret. <laughs> and the secret is that they make uh, they make black mages. They make oh. soldiers of war in the basement <laughs> of this little farming village. And they basically got into making weapons of mass destruction uh, and arms dealing because farming was too hard. <laughs> and their farms weren't doing well. And so they gave up on farming. They're like, no, nah, we're going to go into weapons manufacturing instead. <laughs> That's a pretty easy A to B to C. If you're a farmer, you can make yeah easy. <laughs> you can make black mages for war. Yeah, instead of turnips, you do that. <laughs> so when you go there the first time, there's just kids. It's basically an abandoned town except for some kids. A person running a shop who's also a kid. Uh, there's a kid <laughs> running the bar, and there's one dude asleep in the uh, in the inn. And that's it. Like those are the only people in town. And everyone's like, where are all the adults? And you can keep coming back to that town throughout the the game. And it changes depending on the circumstances of the war. So like the first time you show up, no one's there. The second time you show up, the war is even more expansive. So you can just like see them producing stuff. Like there's, there's way more activity. Um, if you come back later on when the war ends, they start going back to farming Oh. And they're trying to figure it out again. Um, and then if you come back in like the very last disc, like they are under full swing. And like the people who said we shouldn't get into arms dealing are like, finally, people have come to their senses. <laughs> That's fun. They're working the fields. Um, so like there's a lot of little nods like that throughout this game of like the world feeling more alive than some other RPGs. Usually early on or in most RPGs of this era – a town kind of has its storyline and then once you leave it's done right and this game actually keeps revisiting the same places and the same people over and over and over again each of the main villages kind of has those sorts of arcs to them and it was just a level of attention to detail that i found really impressive like eight doesn't do this seven doesn't do this either mm -hmm. those are all basically one and done with their locations um, but yeah, the main kingdoms like Alexandria, you visit in the very beginning of the game. You come back to it later on uh, two or three times. Uh, Lindblom, you come to it. It's kind of a New York or a London, like a big theater district and everything. Ooh. Then you uh, come back to it a little bit later and it gets attacked. The whole place is devastated after um, they're attacked by black mages and by a horrifying summon that like sucks a bunch of their soldiers into the sky. Yeah, you see these people kind of in a shell shock after kind of this big weapon of mass destruction attack on their town. And also as a kid who grew up in New York, like seeing a bunch of towns kind of recovering from major catastrophes. Right. You know, as a, a kid of the early, you know, who lived through 9-11 in New York, like a game that just repeatedly shows those sorts of things happening to towns and seeing the way that people react to it. <laughs> yeah. It resonated. In a way. Jeez. 
seems like this game hit you at the perfect time for a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> depending on how far you get in here, um, there's, there's a town that's like, well, this Bermesia, obviously completely, you're just finding dead people everywhere. The next town you go to is a big tree where everyone who didn't die here retreated to, and then it gets nuked. <laughs> oh, but, but like, re- like a big, like Odin FF, you know, Final Fantasy Odin, like flies in out of the clouds, throws a giant javelin down and blows it up. And there's a mushroom <laughs> cloud. Why? Because one of the, the queen of one of the nations on this continent, um, her husband passed away. And when he died, it's, uh, an advisor got into her ear and told her that, you know, the other nations are going to rise up and destroy you. You need to, you need to stop them by uh, buying my weapons and going to war before they destroy you. <laughs> and so she, you know, driven mad. Yes. There seems to be a lot of depth in this game. I can see why you, it would attract you in a way other games wouldn't. Uh, Vivi and Quinna have a weird story because Vivi was raised by one of Quinna's people. And so you can go to a location where Vivi grew up and like a ghost comes back and talks to him. Like a lot of cool little things. And like <laughs> a lot of these areas are not required in any way mm-hmm. this game also has a pretty neat i find it neat some people find it uh not so great it has a cool cutscene system the ate system that was really unique for this game um you can basically opt into cutscenes in some cases oh um and the cutscenes for the ate system tend to be stuff that's going on in other parts of the world oh so like hey do you want to know what's going on with this, these people who aren't with you right now you know, what's going on in Limblum with, with the king? You know, what's going on with, yeah, Dagger. She's she's in another party right now. So maybe she's up to no good or something. Who knows? <laughs> cool. Are you big into fiction of stuff? Is there other like book series or TV or whatever that you get way into? Yeah, I'm, I'm an all or nothing sort of person. <laughs> so I, I tend to go pretty deep on any of the any of the things I delve into. I can see that. So like the FF series, I'm playing through all of them. I've, let's see, I was a Game of Thrones person for a bit, at least the show. And then the last season was garbage. So (laughs) it's amazing how fast that entire series was memory hold. Yeah. Like entire sites were propped up by the existence of that show. And now it's like it never happens. (laughs) It's true. They really, (laughs) they really done dirty with that last season and it destroyed a lot of stuff (laughs) in its wake. The game of Thrones economy. (laughs) How can you do that? What's going to keep IGN running now? (laughs) Gotta wait for the next TV show. Nothing's replaced it yet though. Yep. All right. So you're saying you didn't have any video games before or didn't like interact with video games before final fantasy seven. Yeah, so I didn't interact with any games till I was like seven or eight. And that was just mostly because like my parents were not very tech savvy. And like as a fairly insular Italian-American family, like if we didn't know too many people who had video games, like they were not really exposed to them. Right. Uh, My cousin had a Sega Genesis, but I did not really play with it until after I had played a PlayStation. But I did get to play Streets of Rage. That game's Ooh. real good. <laughs> it's very interesting to start with PS1. Yeah, I, I just didn't like I spent a lot of time with family members. Like we are a big family, so that's not like it's not like I was that sheltered. But until um like pre kindergarten or first grade, 
I, I wasn't necessarily going over other people's houses all the time. Fair. Um, and playing, especially not playing video games. <laughs> yes, you go to have big meals. <laughs> Is that yes. <laughs> Yep, big meals. Sorry for sorry for stereotyping. <laughs> it's fine. Big meals, lots of talking. Yeah, lots of talking with your hands. You know, <laughs> Italian things. Of course. So, what came after Final Fantasy Nine? After uh, it took up so much of your mind space. So nine, I replayed it on a PS3. So by that time, I had, I think, like I had been playing Mass Effect a lot. Um, oh, Psychonauts was a big one. On my my 360, right? That game's dope. <laughs> another another well written story game. Yep. Got into Dragon Age Origins. Don't replay that game. I replayed it like a, <laughs> a week or two ago. And what? It, podcast reasons. Okay, fair. I mean, it'll make us do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, podcast reasons. I I had to play it. So replaying that game, it doesn't hold up so good. Um, but yeah, I, by that time I was playing games a lot more and more seriously got into, you know, gaming sites and stuff like that. So like played some gears of war, played some, uh, you know, modern appropriate games at that time. Halo three. <laughs> yeah. It's just went in hard. Yep. Went in hard from there. Um, tried to play it like around this time, JRPGs dried up for the most part. So mm-hmm. I had to, I got into the Western role-playing games because, Bioware was making good games and yes. Square Enix wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you needed something with a lot of dialogue and stuff to read. Exactly. Did anything come close to like this Mass Effect Codex or anything? I mean, Mass Effect the thing with Mass Effect and its Codex is that I like being able to experience the story by moving around the world right. and stumbling into these scenes. I don't like reading journal entries generally speaking. Fair. And so I never got into the lore of Mass Effect as seriously as I got into FF9, 10, 12. I never got into super hard because 12 is kind of a miserable game to play. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever played 12. It, it's hard to replay it. They tried to, they thought that people really like wow. And so they should make a game that kind of plays like wow. Weird. Or, you know, like an MMO, but it's single player. Right. And that's just, yeah, you don't want to, that's not a good idea. <laughs> I think I skipped 12. I played up to 10 was probably the last one I played a little bit of. Yeah, 10's really good. 12, like the story's really good in 12, but everything in between story bits is not good. 13 is a one of the worst games I've ever played. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like overall, not just Final Fantasy? Oh, not just Final Fantasy. 13's uh, truly just just bad. What makes you say that? So two two things. Uh, one, it plays itself. Like you need to press auto battle to be able to like <laughs> keep up because the game is supposed to be like real timey. It's supposed to be right. action based. Yes. Um, so you just hit auto battle and your characters will pick their abilities, which means that you're mostly just like mashing the X button. And then occasionally you swap like your characters can swap jobs, basically. So what you're doing is less like figuring out how you want to approach combat and more managing the combat as though you are a local manager at a CVS or something. You're like, ah, you're doing too much stocking of the shelves. We need you to be working register. (laughs) But it's that just constantly like, ah, you're 
the enemy is going to do a big attack. Everyone go on defense. Okay, now there's now they're not. So we need to go on to buffing or debuffing. It just feels like spinning plates uh, while mashing the X button. Uh, that was the first and only game where uh, when I was in college, I had a friend who like walked by. I had my dorm room open. And um, they walked by and said, oh, is that at Final Fantasy 13? That's that new game. I was like, yeah, you want to play it? And he's like, oh, you're going to let me play it? Sure. And I gave him the <laughs> controller and I was like, yeah, you just mash the X button and walk in a straight line. Don't worry about it. Like if there's a treasure chest, you pick it up. Otherwise, you just walk in a straight line. You press the X button. After about uh, five or 10 minutes, he went, did you make me play this because you don't want to play this? <laughs> and I was like, yep. Thank you. I'm, I made progress without having to play it. And then the second problem with 13 is that the story's miserable. Just oh. completely indecipherable. <laughs> like characters doing things that are clearly wrong, they know are bad and know won't work out for them. <laughs> like, you know where the story's going, maybe five hours into it, and it takes 40 to get there. Ooh. Woof. Hey, folks, if you're enjoying this podcast, Bean Media has another podcast I think you'll love. It's called Do We Like, and I co-host it along with my partner, Robin. Robin, do you want to explain the show? Thanks, Eric. Hi, I'm Robin, co-host of Do We Like, a podcast where Eric and I debate common people, places, and things to decide if we like them or need to leave them. Join us each week as we debate controversial topics like pickles, underwear, bubble tea, and Queen Elizabeth I. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or come find us at dowelike.com. That just reminded me of living in dorms. I only did it for a few months, but yeah, doing the door open thing and playing a video game. I think I was playing, oh God, what the hell is it called? It was an RTS game for the PC and I was playing it and then someone, some random person was just like, what's up? And then like came into the room and sat there for like five minutes at most and was like, all right, see you later. Because <laughs> I was playing some like weird esoteric game. It was not StarCraft. It was like War or something. I forget the name of it. It was not ah. popular. War something. Yes, pretty much. But that is not the point. The point is having your door open during the dorm time was like, especially as like a nerdy gamer, it was weird. I don't know. Growing up at home mm -hmm. and having siblings to, you always want the door closed. And now you're at this place, you want strangers to walk into your room. It's very weird. Yeah. I remember when I first moved into my dorm, uh, my roommate actually did not know what to. So we had only corresponded slightly on Facebook. And my Facebook profile picture at the time, I was very cool. So was it was it me. No, it was of oh. me in a hot tub <laughs> in plot, like with like, I think it was like from a school ski trip or something. Yeah. And so there was a picture of me and I think there was, I don't know if there were girls. It was, <laughs> and I was from New York and my roommate was from Virginia and he his impression was like, oh no, it's this New York Italian guy. He's going to be weird. Like this big man <laughs> on campus sort of guy. Yep. And he came in to our dorm when he was moving in and I was playing Street Fighter with my sister. And he's like, <laughs> oh, okay, this is going to work out okay. Well, that's good. It's like, I need extra room for my gold chains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I need to do this dragon punch way better. I'm fucking this up. <laughs> That's fun. See, I never had a roommate. What's that roommate experience like? It seems so weird. Like you're 17, 18, whatever, and now you're just living with a stranger. It seems like it's such a crapshoot. Yeah, it can be. I, I had a good roommate. 
I, I always had good roommates. Like my first roommate, we're still good friends. It was a like living situation where everyone who was living in that dorm was part of the same class. So I was in a debate club class. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but there's a good. So uh, the dude who ran the class was like the head of the debate team. And he found out that the debate team was getting discontinued and that he was getting fired mm. midway through the class. Whoa. And so at that point, he just said, you're all getting A's. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I just didn't get, I didn't have to do anything. I went to one debate event, did okay, and then got an A. It was awesome. Sweet. What school did you go to? It sounds chaotic. It was the University of Richmond uh, in Virginia, but it uh, was not, uh, it, the school other than that circumstance was fairly, you know, put together. It's a, it's a good school. It was just oh, very no, stuff happens. Very much a guy just like you're going to keep the football team and cut the debate team. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course we are. <laughs> Has he not lived on planet Earth? <laughs> yeah, of course. Obviously, 12 Has times. <laughs> we Has would do not, this. Has he not seen a movie from the 80s about college? We're actively building a stadium for the football team. And I thought that was the debate stadium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you letting us use the Greek amphitheater? <laughs> Come on. These are debates. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Policy debate is a wild thing. Have you ever seen policy debate? No. Oh, way to go. What a champion. <laughs> is that like, is this like theoretical policy debate in college or like actual policy debate? In theoretical towns? in college. So okay. that was the that was the style of debate. So we learned like when they were prepping us for our first debate thing, the way that you're judged on those is basically how many arguments can you put out and how many of them can you rebut from your opponent. And so the volume of arguments you're making <laughs> is directly correlated with your your score. Uh-huh. So if you can make more arguments in your time then it's harder for your opponent to rebut as many of them right. or make good arguments of their own. So the way to actually do policy debate properly is uh, something called the spread. It's a, it, you speak incredibly quickly. Like people practice being able to say words on the out breath and the in breath uh, so that they can just have the most arguments at any given time. Wait, what? So you're speaking while breathing in? It's like a didgeridoo? You can circular like, breathing. Da, 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 da. And then. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that's it's, fun. It was miserable. We saw that and I was like, oh, I'm not going to get into this then. <laughs> Is there like an end goal? Do people go into debate club to be debaters? I guess politics, but. Yeah. Some people use it as a stepping stone for politics. Some people do it. I don't know. For the thrill of the fights. Why does anyone do anything <laughs> competitive? You know, to be better than people, to have their true. their name and lights <laughs> are you not a competitive person i guess you i'm a very club. competitive person okay there you go <laughs> so i i like the idea of it but once i realized that like the game is rigged it's not about <laughs> actually trying to make an eloquent speech or convince anyone it's to expose express as many ideas as you can um and hope that your opponent screws up in their notes or their prep also their prep because you need to like research the topic and have yeah. citations and stuff so that you can argue it properly. So like 90% of the work is just prep and research. I was like, well, that's that's not fun. Nothing about that's <laughs> what fun. Th- what did you think? It was just be off the top of your head? Yeah, off the dome. <laughs> 
well, that's not a podcast with me and my wife called Do We Like? Go listen to it. <laughs> I'm f- sneaking in a plug there. Anyways. Way to go. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, it was not what I expected it to be, but it was, uh, it was no a kidding. fun time. The one time I did it. <laughs> that's a wild. Never heard of this before, but I didn't part. Were you a big club person in school? Did you do all the clubs? I did a few clubs because I did not drink in college. I guess you need something to or do that. party very much. Like I went to, I went to one party and it was a bad time. <laughs> and I was like, this is not for me. It was in a frat house. No one. Frat everyone houses. was very, it was very loud. The only good <laughs> thing about it was that they were playing, uh, they had a video running of Daft Punk's Interstellar 5555 playing on a projector. Ooh. The music video for Discovery, like that whole album has a associated movie. Uh-huh. And I enjoyed that, but the music was not that album. So that was upsetting. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. They just played the video. Weird. This is wild stuff. <laughs> yeah. We was, don't have, uh, as far as I know, we don't have frat houses and stuff like that in Canada. So that is all very movies only for me. Way to go. That's awesome. <laughs> That's I, the way to do it. Yeah. I did not enjoy my time there. The floor was very wet. <laughs> um. <laughs> Your description of stuff, it's it's very funny now to picture you at a frat house because of the way you carry yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did not enjoy one moment of it. I uh, <laughs> I went in there. I was just like, I guess I'll da- dance, I guess. Yeah. So I, I that was dubious. That was how I got my first kiss. It was not enjoyable. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was not enjoyable at all. I did not expect it to go that way. No, I didn't like it. I... <laughs> Like it was, there was a, I was in like a pre-college martial arts club thing. Like they let you come a week or two early and you got to take a class with like-minded people. And I met this person at the martial arts club thing. Uh-huh. She she decided she wanted to kiss me and I was, oh. it was less, it was less me trying to be, I was kissed. <laughs> Whoa. You didn't use your martial arts to defend yourself? <laughs> Uh, it was too early too early in the class they didn't do the anti-kissing moves no they didn't they didn't <laughs> it was a crowded dance floor um i would describe it less as a kiss and more as me defending my tonsils with my tongue i was i was protecting i was strictly on defense um and then i had the flu for a week so no. that was great <laughs> really and then i had the flu Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. It was only, miserable. Just the Gino. worst experience. <laughs> like after it happened, I walked outside of the of the frat house to their backyard where people were very drunk. I was like, what am I doing? Never again. <laughs> you look to the heavens. Yeah. What happened said, here? Zidane, save me. <laughs> yeah. And he and he didn't. So he would have been into it. <laughs> into what? The party? Well, he, Saving his whole, you? His whole thing in this game is he starts out as like a Casanova type. Ah. And so I think he would have been into that part. Maybe he wouldn't have gotten the flu. Who's to say? I mean, he probably already had it. He'd be the one spreading it. Yep. He's a monkey man. So who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Every step of that story. Incredible. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) No problem. It was, uh, I remember it vividly. Like it was just yesterday. (laughs) I mean, that's like quintessential college experience right there. Yeah. And so after that, I just went into like 
there was a video game club. I was in that. I Perfect. was in the martial arts club. That was fun. I got into pickup basketball, which is also very fun. <laughs> Fair. From then on, that was how I that was how I killed my time instead of going to parties. Because like, I, I don't know. I I may drink if I like the taste of the drink sort of person. Yeah. And a lot of like college parties are people drinking things to get fucked up. Oh, no, for sure. And I had had experiences like taking care of people who had been drunk oh. in high school. And once you have those experiences, you're just like, why would I ever want to do this to someone else? Yeah. If you are the type of person to care for someone like that, then you are less the type of person to leave other people in that situation, for sure. But to bring it back to video games just for a little bit before we wrap up. Go right ahead. <laughs> uh, what was more your speed then? Were you able to use video games to connect to people? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, it became a, a great common language, you know, having these experiences to to talk with others, you know, play games like this with other people. Um, obviously, like as someone who's gone on to freelance write and, um, you know, moderate for a video game site, I moderate for giantbomb.com. It's been a good shorthand, you know? Right. I've met a lot of people through through gaming that I would not have otherwise. And it's taken me to cool places. Would not have met you. It's true. Without, uh, without video games. Packs through Giant Bomb or like because we were both fans of Giant Bomb or we're in those same areas. That's how yep. we ended up meeting. And the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. No, it is continuing. You got to go apple picking with my wife, and I was not there. <laughs> That's true. That was fun, though. We got yeah, to get apples. It was fun. We, I was with my friends at this house before they moved out, and I moved in. We, they have, a, they had a crab apple tree in the backyard, so we sent Robin pictures of us in the snow picking crab apples <laughs> while you guys were in uh, North. What do you call that? Upstate New York. Upstate New York. Yeah, uh, picking apples for reels. <laughs> yeah, I think we were up in Fishkill, but yeah, it was. Uh, have you gone apple picking before? Like, is that a thing in Canada? I've not gone. I'm sure it's it's definitely probably a thing in BC. They would have apple orchards there, I'm sure. Um, but not in Saskatchewan. Maybe we do. Actually, no. I think we do. I've never gone. No. This is not a normal thing for us to do. Well, apple picking is just a weird experience to begin with. Speaking of video games, apple picking is a pretty weird experience <laughs> because the actual picking of the apples is not actually that fun. Usually it's like a combination apple picking country store. Maybe they'll have some apple cider donuts. Maybe there's a band. You're mostly there for those things. Uh, and the apples are pretty secondary. That and just like picking things off the tree, biting it once and going, eh, this apple's fine. And then throwing it on the ground. Like that's <laughs> why, those why are the number one thing. What are you going to do with it? Uh, continue they to charge eat you it? for the apples. Well, yeah, why don't you eat it? Because you can't eat that many apples well you can do it once and go these apples are good and then keep eating those apples <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it just seems wasteful you got a sample like most orchards have like 10 to 15 variants of apples you're gonna eat you know 15 yeah. different apples that's what you're there for <laughs> nah, you're trying to take them home you sample them once and then you then you throw it on the ground <laughs> that's, and then you pick like three <laughs> Pick the ground three. is littered with apples. What? Okay. Maybe this is why I, I would be so offended if I went apple picking. You can't waste apples and take a bite and throw it on the ground. What? The real degenerates are the people who shake the branches. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they played Animal Crossing, I guess. True monsters. 
Because then all the apples just end up on the ground and no one picks them up off the ground. Oh, fair. That's a 0%. Yeah, so. That's pretty rude. How did you feel about Final Fantasy VII Remake? I am currently playing that and it is dope. You haven't beat it yet? I haven't beaten it yet. So I didn't have a game, a console capable of playing uh, okay. it fair, fair, fair. for a while and I just got a PS5. Oh, PS5, la-di-da. <laughs> that game whips. <laughs> it does. It's I, so good. I don't play long games a lot. I played, I was like, I don't know if I want to play this. And I played the demo and then by like halfway through the demo, I bought it and then played it for like a week straight. It was like 32 yeah. hours or something for me to beat it. I played for a week straight. Just could not stop playing it. It's so good. Yeah. I'm up to the Shinra building. Nice. I, I don't know what happens in the end. I keep hearing that eventually they're going to fuck it up for me. <laughs> well, it depends on how you feel. Did you, yeah. you I assume you played Final Fantasy seven. I have. There weren't ghosts in that one. Correct. It all makes sense if you like kind of squint. It makes sense in that way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it seems to me, and don't tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but it seems to me like the ghosties are making sure that events take place the way they did in the original game. But some characters seem to know what happened in the original game and are winking and nodding at it. No comment. Good. (laughs) All right, to wrap up here, you're still, you're writing now. What did you go to school for? You went, Did you go to school for English? So I double, I double majored. I was an English computer science double major and a Japanese minor. Oh. So <laughs> there was a well, reason for that. I hope you were a Japanese adult by the time your wife married you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have fun. Yes, I so I wanted to get into the game industry and I figured I wanted to write. So I went with writing like English and then I figured no one actually hires people to, for just English. Yeah. I mean, for just writing. And so I should learn how to code. And then I learned how to code. Um, and then I figured part of the industry is in Japan. So I should learn Japanese so that I could potentially, you know, work in that market. You're covering all the bases. That was my thought process. Jeez. But then I, you know, got a job at a regular, you know, a regular coding job and then realized that, oh, yeah, like the game industry is really precarious and it pays really poorly. And it's going to be hard for me to see my wife if I go into that. And I really like seeing her. So (laughs) I mostly do game related stuff, freelance or, you know, side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to make your choices at some point. And yes, not being in a precarious industry is nice. Yeah, it's it's tough. How much Japanese did you learn? Um, I lived in Japan for two summers. What? Um, on a study abroad program. What? Why didn't we get into this? <laughs> Sorry, I have a lot of stories. I'm a man of many many mysteries. Uh, apparently, jeepers. Yeah, we. I studied abroad there twice. I stayed with a host family, same host family both times, which was fun. That's nice. But yeah, I learned enough to get by. I was not like a great conversationalist, but. You know, I could read the street signs and could speak a little bit. Cool. But yeah, Japanese is tough, man. Probably. But yeah, so you're writing stuff. What are you, what are you doing these days with your with your writing? So right now I'm I'm doing some freelance articles for on the Final Fantasy trading card game, which Ooh. you've seen me open those packs. Yes, I did. I've been writing uh some articles on the different deck archetype macro archetypes. For Mogpod Gaming, been doing some articles for them recently. Um, still doing my podcast, Deep Listens. 
Yes. People can check out. And you were on just recently to talk about Control. That game rips. <laughs> that game does rip. It was very cool. Where can they find the Deep Listens podcast? You can do so at, at Deep Listens Pod on Twitter, deeplistens.libsen.com. That's the website where you can find it. We're also on you know iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. If you type in Deep Listens, you'll find us. Sweet. Uh, where can people find you online if you wish to be found? I am at that Pinguino on Twitter. You can find me there for the most part. It's your last name, Gino Grieco. Grieco, yes. And Whoa. yours is Canius. <laughs> yes. I did not know you you spell or pronounce the I and the E separately on that on yours. So Yeah, there's a lot of Grecos and uh most people just give up. The best is when people try to pronounce my last name and they add syllables that just aren't there. Like I've I've heard Griecchio and I'm like, where did you find <laughs> I know it's Italian looking, but come on. <laughs> yeah, the last name. I, I lucked out on the first name because I could have been Luigi. Ooh, that would have been a sweet first name. <laughs> yeah, I was I was named after both of my grandfathers and my parents were were thoughtful. They were smart and said, we can't have a, a person named Luigi in the year <laughs> 1991. <laughs> Why not be a tastemaker, a trend follower? They didn't even know how much of a bullet they were dodging uh, because they had yeah. never heard about Mario and Luigi. Right. But they're <laughs> Wow. That was a close call. Super close call. It would have been <laughs> middle school and high school were rough enough with an Italian last na- first name, last name, let alone <laughs> Luigi. Come on. Yes. <laughs> that would have been extreme. Yes. But anyways... <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story, Gino. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for checking out this very cool game. People should play it. Final Fantasy IX, it's a good one. Some would say the best one. Some would say certain Genos agree Final Fantasy IX <laughs> is the best one. <laughs> Nine out of ten Genos agree. There you go. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for listening to the Personal History of Games. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. You can hear more of the personal history of games on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us out, please leave us a rating and review. For updates, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PHOGpod, or check out our website at personalhog.com. The show is hosted and produced by Eric Canius, executive produced by Robin Lands. Do We Like is brought to you by Beamed Media, a Canadian podcast network.